0: I'm Melissa Elizabeth for the Heart Temple. And I'm Nick Rivera with Chain Assembly. And together, we've designed a project called Women's Wheel. It's based on the philosophy of women evolving with the seasons
1: and new modern archetypes that exist within those
0: seasons. This new way of thinking is presented in a core set with many items and activities designed to further understanding between you and the women around you. Much more than
1: self-help, these tools are for one or more participants in a community growing
0: setting. Learn more about the Women's Wheel core set and its development at www.womenswheel.co. (laughs) So I have a really special treat today on the podcast. We have Godriguez. Godriguez is an incredible, I guess, digital photographer, um, scene painter, world builder. Uh, if you've seen his work, you'll know how gorgeous it is and how hard it is to describe. Uh, so thank you for joining me, Godriguez. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you for that, uh,
0: that gracious
1: Gracious interview or uh,
0: introduction there. <laughs> so uh, I know I have more recently been meeting you at the uh, TB SOPA meetings. That's the Tampa Bay Society of Photographic Arts, um, or, which is uh, headed up by Jose Gomez, who is on a, a recent episode. Uh, but I've ran into I ran into you at a few other events around town. I think probably the first one was the Project Dark Arts, two. I want to say. It was the first time I ever ran yep. into you, or at least I don't know if I actually met you back then, but I saw you in like, I, I want to say you were involved in that intro video uh, or like the video uh, of, uh, yeah, <laughs> tell me about that.
1: I, w- I was the devil. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I am the devil, but uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen any of my uh, imagery, but um, yeah, I was uh, asked to be uh, in the uh, intro for or the the teaser video for the show and uh we shot it over at um the uh spook of the old location up in Ebor, uh, and it was just a lot of fun getting to dress up
0: and uh be uh be a part of that so yeah that was that was a lot of fun <laughs> so i assume you had some pieces in that show i think i remember seeing some of your stuff up there right
1: yeah i definitely had uh trying to think of what pieces i i had in there i think i had about Four, four or five pieces in that uh, was also part of the the first year of uh, project dark arts that was uh, over at F Um and uh, those were really great events um, hoping uh, rogue has been hinting uh, teasing that he might bring them back and i really hope he does because they were they were a lot of fun and a lot of really great artists and performers and it was just a really good night out um, both both times both years they did it and um in uh uh, shadow um putting that together and that was just a lot of fun so i I hope they do it again in the future
0: yeah it it was pretty cool i really loved the whole feel that it was like a like a french salon with just stacks and stacks of art on the wall it really made it fun to like pick out stuff like you're hunting for pieces it was really cool so let's talk a bit about your style. Uh, it starts with digital photography. Or sorry, I don't know if it's digital. It starts with photography. And then you manipulate the pieces from then on. So can you kind of tell me about how you got into that process on manipulating the pictures?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been using Photoshop since 96. In fact, I bought my first computer back then, specifically to learn Photoshop and illustrator. Like that was why I bought a computer. I had never owned one before then and just started teaching myself how to, how to use it and how to, how to, you know, play around in Photoshop. And for the longest time, uh, you know, I would just use stock images. And, um, when I was in, went to art school up in Atlanta, um, you know, I'd use stock images and stuff for my projects. And and then right around, um, I always jokingly say I got into photography for the ladies cause <laughs> I bought my first camera when my daughters were born. So, uh, I started taking pictures of them constantly, you know, thousands, thousands of pictures. So slowly I started to actually, you know, start taking my own photos and then starting to use them in my, my pieces. And slowly it, it became, um, apparent that I was enjoying what I was doing with it. And, Right around that time, I got involved with uh, G which is no longer around, but it was an amazing actual platform. A lot of people dogged it, but uh, I met lifelong friends on there and really actually grew as an artist on there and learned kind of how to. Um, utilize my imagery to tell stories, which was something I kind of learned in art school with, um, with, uh, critical thinking classes. Like that's one of, it was one of my favorite classes and it just made me think outside the box. And so when I started doing the photography, I started doing self portraiture and then find figuring out, well, I can, you know, use what I can do in Photoshop to tell the story even further. So a lot of my process is, you know, well first off it is mostly self portraiture i'd say 90 percent of what i shoot is is self portraiture mostly because a lot of my ideas come late at night and i don't have anyone else around so <laughs> i'm the only model so a lot of times that was uh, out of necessity but um it it, it allows me also to, to take the time to really kind of do what i want to do and tell the story because i can shoot multiple pieces of it and then Put it together later and um so i really actually enjoy that part of the process is getting an idea in my head and then visualizing it and then attacking it in different pieces because especially when you're doing self-portraiture you know one thing is to think of yourself and you know how you're going to position yourself but then um sometimes it's, it's multiplicity where i am multiple times in the in the image um the final image so you know, trying to figure out where angles and shadows and things like that have to be camera angles and all that, and just kind of pulling all that together and then jumping into Photoshop. Once I have everything shot and putting it all together to kind of tell that final story. So it is sometimes a drawn out process and can, you know, take hours of editing, but it's worth it to
0: me. For lack of a better term, as someone who sells art, um, were you using mediums before you got into the photography as as a seller of art? Sort of, um,
1: I, my degrees in graphic design. So, but even if you want to go back further than that, um, back when I was in high school and in bands, I was the one that always did the band's logos and did all the flyers and stuff like that. So I've kind of always been doing art, um, in one facet or another. And then, uh, actually I, I always said, if I don't become a rock star, I'm going to lean on my art career. And that's kind of <laughs> what I did. I was, I was, uh, I, I, was, I was probably late twenties and I realized, you know, that, okay, not gonna be a rock star. So made the, the call and discussed it with my wife and she and I, and we moved up to Atlanta and I went to art school up there to, for art. And like I said, I did my degrees in, uh, Graphic design. So coming out of art school, I was doing logo designs and things like that. I was doing uh, page layout uh for companies and uh in and around the Tampa Bay area and Orlando and um but also doing animation work. So and actually I've been uh doing animation work for a nonprofit called YU for actually it's probably going on twenty-five years now. Wow. So uh, I jokingly call myself an accidental animator because I I took animation in my, um, my senior year as an elective and I really enjoyed it and actually created this character that became my senior project. So everything was built around this cartoon character that I built um, and created in my animation class. So everything that was my senior project was all these different aspects of this character and different things that went along with it cd packaging and all that so um so that's those kind of things of what i was doing up till i'm i moved back to florida and started becoming an animator and i've been like i said that's that's sort of my nine to five is my animation um that i i do and it's it's math animation, which is funny because I suck at math. So, <laughs> but I don't write the scripts. So I just, I just animate them. Um, so, uh, it's, yeah, it's just what I do. And I love doing it because it's all nonprofit. Um, my, uh, client, which you can kind of call us co collaborators, he is a, uh, is Steve Goldman lives over in Orlando. So you, he and I have been collaborating on this for, like I said, for probably over twenty-five years now. He writes the scripts, gives them to me. I then do the voice of the character, and also, and then animate to that. So, um, so I've been been doing art in one facet or another for probably the last thirty years, um, either logo designs or page layout, or um, I also while I was uh, actually doing the Yu stuff. I was also working at the Orlando Science Center doing um, exhibit design and and fabrication and you know designing layouts of how uh, exhibits would happen signage for that how you know pieces would look in the in the exhibit stuff like that so a lot of different artistic endeavors.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, that kind of helps informed where, where you've ended up now then, for sure. So uh, at what point would you say the Godriguez brand was born?
1: Uh, that, going back to the G-plus sort of days, I had, um, I had become part of a group called, uh, it was called Selfie Sunday, and that's kind of how I started doing self-portraiture, was sort of through... Um, was through this group and it was a a lot of like-minded people and very supportive. There was no pressure. Um, and we all sort of grew together and people started seeing, you know, kind of what I do with my photography and the surreal nature of, you know, making things just look real, but yet there could not be real, you know, completely, um, you know, Photoshop editing to its, its fullest, and it kind of, the, the name Godriguez kind of came about in a, a Facebook post. I was going back and forth with a friend and um, I can't quite remember the, the back and forth, but she basically said, said something to the effect that I can make you, I can basically make you look slimmer and, and you could go on a diet, you know, just let Godriguez, you know, take over. And I kind of answered back with, I'm not a God, but I play one in Photoshop. So (laughs) um, it kind of, that kind of stuck. And then people started calling me that and um, it just sort of stuck and, uh, but it works in with my, my sort of whole persona, the devil persona. That is another story unto itself. um, How that all works together actually as well. So
0: so if we're looking at it as a brand and you decided, all right, I'm going to start making art under the name Godriguez. Uh, were there, like w- when you made that decision, were there initial steps you took? I assume like buying a domain, getting an LLC. I guess what were the logistics to that, to that birth?
1: I started that, uh, I think I, I sort of, uh, Became a corporation LLC probably about fifteen, about fifteen years ago. When I I moved back to Tampa, was kind of working freelance um, for a little while, and decided that that's that was the path I was going to take was full on freelance. Even though I was still still kind of working along with um, the animation stuff, but it kind of had a little. There was a little break in there in between what we were initially doing and what we're currently doing and during that time that's when i i made the decision that this is what i'm going to do for the rest of my life and that i want to be a, you know start branding myself my my actual company name or my sort of my blanket or umbrella uh, uh company is eclectic anima which means a very diverse creative spirit so mm. um that is that is my actual company um name and then of course the godriguez kind of came into play and um at doing you know dba with with godriguez and the logo and all that just sort of kind of started falling into place um and just kind of it kind of fit the the style of what i was doing it's easy to remember it's all the all the imagery, you know, kind of works together with it, and like I said, it works along with the darker nature of of my my art. Um, I'm I'm dark, but I'm not. I, I call my my I say that the style, my style of art is has what's called approachable darkness because it is dark at times, but I never do anything for shock value. There's always a reason for something to be there that is possibly disturbing in some way um be it blood or um you know I, I even do some kind of controversial themes with depression and suicide and things like that so but i try and do it in a way that i won't isolate um anybody that might walk up and see my art like even one of my more known pieces is a piece that has a a clown sitting on the ground and he's shooting himself in the head. But instead of it being visceral and realistic, he's holding like a toy gun that a clown would have instead of a bullet. There's the flag that comes out of a you know cartoon gun says bang coming out against his head. And instead of blood coming out of his head, it's a multitude of colors. Cause he has like a rainbow wig on and a rainbow sort of, You know kind of clown outfit on so it it makes people kind of at first maybe start to step back but then they kind of come back into it and look at it a second time and then they start seeing what i'm really trying to say in the piece and what it really is representing so even people i say they're terrified of clowns have been able to relate to that piece so that's saying something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about what you present as an artist, because similar to you, I, I also I mean, I I work as a digital artist primarily, so I don't really have the idea of an original that I can sell when it comes to a piece. It's almost always going to be a print. Um, are you doing digital photography or darkroom? I guess it would be digital if it's going into Photoshop. There's no point in doing like film photography, right?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% digital in that regard. I never, I mean, I own, I had like a, you know, click, you know, cheapo film camera way, way back in the day, but not that I could ever call myself a photographer. In fact, I don't really consider myself a photographer. It just happens to be one of the tools that I use. Like, uh, just, I, I, I just consider myself an artist with a lot of a lot of interest and a lot of tools at, I, you know, have at my disposal or, or try and have, you know, to use. And I, you know, depending on what, what they are, they're going to facilitate the end goal or whatever story or whatever I'm trying to, to, to portray. So um, yeah, I do use a camera, but I'm not, I don't consider myself a photographer per se so when when the whole debate oh well you you use photoshop you're not a photographer i say (laughs) i don't care (laughs) i I don't care if i'm not a photographer that's not my end goal is to be called a photographer so and that's the other reason why a lot of times i are really have never uh, other than a few times ever even entered any kind of competitions or anything like that because i just i do it because i like to do it i don't need validation i do it because I want, I want to impress myself. And if I impress myself, then that's, I've accomplished my goal. And then if other people like it or if other people want to buy it, then so be it. You know, that's, that's awesome. And I, and I, I, I always appreciate when people do appreciate or, or find a connection with my art, but that's, that's not my end goal when I'm creating uh, especially my photography pieces. Um, there are a lot of times they might be personal pieces that i just want to you know just flush out or they like again like i said might be commentary on something that i've read or seen and just trying to work those things out and and just kind of have a dialogue there that is you know kind of inherent in my work and and storytelling that's that's the part that i really enjoyed about creating is storytelling even with my physical pieces sometimes there is a storytelling aspect to it but um i just i i love the whole idea of storytelling and being able to portray
0: that i i totally get what you're saying like it's you, you have an envi- you envision an image of what the ultimate image is and you can use whatever tools it takes to get to that ultimate image um whether it be you know digital painting or photography or a mix thereof so when i first started going to those tb sopa meetings one thing i found um Uh, Maybe not refreshing, but uh, I was very nervous going into the first meeting. Like I've never done film photography. I only have one camera. I barely know the difference between an f-stop and an ISO. And it felt really nice to know that everybody else was using Lightroom too. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, good. So this isn't like a very stodgy group. So that that made me feel a bit more comfortable there. I mean, I still don't. I still have to constantly look at this printout I have to remind me how to get more light in and keep the background blurry. Um, But I mean, (laughs) so that's just one thing I really liked about that group is that, you know, it's a lot more open to using the digital tweaking of photographs um, in. in, Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's, that's what we're about. Yeah. yeah.
0: So when it comes to, I guess the uh, quote unquote products that are being created by Godriguez, is it nine times out of 10, a digital print?
1: Uh, if it's going in a gallery, then yeah. So I don't, uh, in that regard, I guess yeah. I mean, I have to use a some kind of a, a print lab to get myself printed. I don't do it myself or any kind of a uh, you know any kind of dark room process. It's all it's all digital from pretty much start to finish. Um, and then you know mounting and all that fun stuff. But yeah, um, when it comes to but even even with my physical art um a lot of it some of it starts off by hand you know drawing it out sketching it out and then it it evolves to the computer and then the um finished product may or may not be um you know with the assistance of a you know a tool that's creating it sometimes it is sometimes it's not so a little bit again a little bit of everything kind of going on there even
0: right. so so if you're generally selling prints are there other um income sources for the business, like, uh, stock photo licensing or, um, commissions, or is it really just, um, you know, you create a piece and then sell prints of that piece?
1: Um, I, I mean, I, I sold, you know, I have sold prints before. I, it's not something I push other than, um, in actual gallery shows, like Mm -hmm. the shows, the TV SOPA shows that we used to do and I've you know done some other gallery shows now starting to show over in St. Pete at 5 Deuces and um actually have a show coming up uh next month in or in uh, Lakeland and so most of the time the end goal is for gallery shows I'm not uh, even though I I do have prints available some on my website although I've kind of even changed the that direction of that and, um don't really have as much available right now, only because I'm still trying to find a, a vendor that will work through my Squarespace. That I like the quality of what they're producing. Before um, I had a Smug Mug for years, and they use um, Bay Photo, which I love and always enjoyed, and it worked right through their site. Whereas now, with uh, I've, I've switched over to Squarespace to a dedicated, um, you know, actual website with not so much just photography where i've got other things i can offer Uh, i haven't quite found a vendor that i can kind of auto facilitate uh prints with so until then i kind of if someone wants something i'll make it available to them uh, or maybe i'll do them you know i'll order it directly you know from um bay photo just because that's i really i've always enjoyed their quality and They've done done me good in the past with different orders and gotten things for me when I needed to. So, um, I am not endorsed
0: by Bay Photo, <laughs> but, but they've done me good. They got me done. Yeah. <laughs> so I have um, I've been wanting to work with Mpix, but I've also not wanting to work with them. Mpix because they offer yeah. white label printing. So you upload the file, they print it, ship it out, and put your company name on the return address. So it looks like it came from you. Uh, And I have ordered prints from them, and they look great, but they refuse to print anything with nudity because they said they're a family-owned Christian business. So I'm pretty sure they won't want to print your stuff. (laughs) No. Well,
1: babe babe photo well. Uh,
0: Before I bought my own printer, I was getting everything printed by Shutterfly, and I still shout them out. I really love their quality but I I do wish they had some type of dynamic integration with Shopify stores or Squarespace stores or even white labeling. Um, Unfortunately they don't. (laughs) So, so let's Uh, say you're making a piece to hang in a gallery. Uh, Do you not consider that a print? When you think of a print, are you thinking more of like a whole stack of things that customers flip through? Like kind of what? No,
1: I I would, yeah, I would would consider that a print. Um, I mean, Usually it's, it's a dedicated print, you know, that I, depending on the show, if it fits the theme of the show, then if I don't already have it on hand and, you know, from before, then that's something, you know, I'll print specifically for that show. So, yeah, I I would consider them prints because with digital, everything's a print. There is no original. (laughs) There is no original unless you buy the NFT, but (laughs) (laughs) which I was doing. I was doing NFTs for a little while there um, about uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And I actually sold quite a few pieces and was doing actually pretty well with it. And it just got to be a lot to keep up with because you really got to hu- kind of hustle and be there every day trying to get your art in front of people. And most of it worked through Twitter, believe it or not. Um, uh, some people are familiar with how, um nfts work or not but a lot of the buyers and stuff were based or looking and and finding people via twitter x now whatever it's called um and so you really had to like kind of be on there all day long when when a buyer would kind of put out a a request for you know you know anybody got something and it it just got to be a little too much and Mm. i know people you know dog it and whatnot but I actually was doing pretty well with it. Yes. Um, it just got to be too much um, too much you know for me to kind of keep up with. but it was a really good community, the artists and what I did like about it, especially was it finally kind of gave digital creators especially visual um, you know uh, graphic or uh, motion graphic you know 3D rendered animation, that type stuff or you know short films, even things like that. It gave them uh, an avenue to sell that they normally maybe couldn't. You know, a lot of that stuff, you know, most people wouldn't buy it. But um, I knew quite a few, uh, you know, digital animators of sorts that you know did 3D rendering animations and stuff like that. That you know bought their first car by selling NFTs, bought their first house selling NFTs. So it it is a real thing, but it, it is a hustle, and you really got to stick with it. And it was just something i just kind of couldn't keep up with and i like i said i enjoyed doing it so i could say i tried and I, I did like i said i i i was i i was doing well and met some great people over there on it um in the in the business and you know people dog it and say oh you know it's it's money you know it's laundering and this and that well that's been going on in the art world forever <laughs> so it's nothing new i mean that's you know most a lot of you know galleries and stuff in the world that's a lot of what they do is is just that you know they hype it up and pump and dump and all that kind of stuff it's it's the same thing so it really is no different just in a different uh format so
0: I uh, I I turned my first tarot deck into NFTs. Each card is a different NFT. I had them listed on OpenSea okay. and I just realized I never installed MetaMask on my new computer, so it's probably been 4 months since I locked in to see if anyone had bid on them. <laughs> uh but probably not at now point since the wave's pretty much over. <laughs> uh it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to doing prints of uh your more your your very elaborate um well, what would you call them? If not digital photos, would you just call them illustrations? Uh, I mean,
1: it's kind of kind of hard to really say what they are, because they are I mean, they are part parcel photography. They all they all begin as photography. So mm-hmm. one way or the other, they are a photograph. Um, but then, you know, there is manipulation in Photoshop with editing, but also even on top of that, I, for the most part, do sort of paint or, you know, accentuate things by painting in Photoshop as well, um, or adding elements that weren't there before. Like um, 90% of the time, if there's, you know, blood in one of my photos, it was never there. I painted in after the fact or um, makeup. I generally shoot If I'm going to do makeup, a lot of times I'll just shoot with white face makeup and then paint it in afterwards. Uh, I'm just I I, it is a a sort of a a conglomeration of a lot of different elements. Like it's almost mixed media, if you want to think about it, digital mixed media, I guess would be a good, good way to say it. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's say you have a digital mixed media piece that's going to a gallery. Are you planning on making that a one of one? Uh, do you not limit it? Do you not even worry about that? Do you have a plan for that?
1: Uh, yes and no. <laughs>
0: um, I, I started for a little while, um,
1: doing limited runs and, I, I kinda, I kinda didn't like it. Thank um, you. And I've kind of backed, <laughs> I backed away from it. Yeah. Um, because originally I didn't, you know, it was, I just put them out there and then I started having people, you know, request, can they be, this be a numbered series, you know, when they went to buy it. And I, so I started, I kind of ebbed into it a little bit and the last couple of shows I did that and I kind of regretted it in a way because actually there were, you know, multiple people that really wanted certain pieces that I had. And, um, now what I ended up doing because I had originally um, had it as a one of one is I actually did present them in different ways. So mm-hmm. I there was a one of one that was a print that was in a standard frame, then one that was a metal print. And then there was one that had a special edition frame that had, um, well, actually the original one that sold. um had a special frame that I made that actually had sand inside it. So the the image was of myself with a hourglass in front of me. The hourglass is, is dripping down and, you know, almost running out. But at the same time, my face is being half blown away. Like my face is dust flying away and you can see that my skull underneath it. So it's kind of a, a sort of commentary on, you know, the time and how things, you know, eventually all turn to dust. And so the first frame that I did, because it was a surrealist show, is I actually thinking of something, you know, what would, what would Dolly do? And so, cause I love Dolly. So I made a frame that was, I, I embedded the, the actual print within acrylic. So it was layered within acrylic, but then inside the frame, it was a shadow box frame. There was actual sand in the frame that, you could turn the frame sideways and it would flow back and forth in mm. the frame in front of the piece. Okay. So it was as if the sand came out of the picture and fell into the frame. So, um, but then people, more people wanted it. And so I made some other additions that weren't that addition. That one was actually very sp- specific and special, but, um, so I'm, if I do, do limited runs it would be like that like very they like each one would stand on its own even though it's multiples of the same print they are each one a a limited edition how
0: they're presented so if i do go back to doing limited runs that's how i would approach it so i guess generally most of the time then you would just call them open editions
1: yeah they were open editions and you know i i could that way you know it it could be in one show and then maybe be another and that's where i i finally i changed my kind of stance on it because i had some i had multiple shows actually coming up that overlapped and i had entered the same piece in the multiple shows because Mm -hmm. it fit the genre of the multiple shows and it got accepted to all the multiple shows (laughs) so that's where that's where it got tricky is like, it's like I had already committed to this piece being in these shows and I had but I had put it as a limited edition in each show so that's where I had to get creative and be like, okay this is a limited edition because there's not going to be another one on metal there's not gonna be another one with this frame there's not going to be another one this way so that's how I you know actually kind of f- facilitated being able them still to be limited editions but sure. not be unethical about it
0: (laughs) i was at this presentation a few months ago um about how to be a gallerist and an art collector uh i guess and someone had asked about whether or not you should do limited edition prints and all of the people in the presentation said absolutely be limited edition i did not like that because (laughs) Now, I only have the limited information of my own scope of people I interact with when I'm doing events. But someone who is going to buy a piece only because it's limited edition doesn't mean they really like the piece. It means they like that it might become valuable at some point. And that's not the audience that gravitates towards my work. Um, Because the pieces I'm selling are usually a lot cheaper, under $100 for a print. So they're not really buying it because they think it might be a lucrative investment. They're buying it because they want to hang it in their house. So in that regard, I don't really see that as a valuable thing, Uh, like adding – like limiting the amount of sales I can make on a piece. If I did that, I would have to sell a piece for – like a print for so much. And one thing I'm always saying that I love, and one thing I always bring up a lot on this podcast, is that I love the idea that as an artist, you can spend five hours on something and sell it a thousand times. You're not going to be able to do that if it's a limited edition print.
1: So I don't know. <laughs> I I agree, and and I, and that's that's kind of how I want to. I kind of see it too. Is I don't, I don't really want my art to be limited. I I want more, you know, I want people to be able to enjoy it. And and if, you know, multiple people enjoy it enough that they would want it in their house, then so be it. So that's why I kind of, kind of recanted on doing, you know, limited editions per se. um, Other than what I talked of earlier is for that reason that that way, um, you know, more people can enjoy it. And, and I, I'm more about that than exclusivity and trying to be, you know, some pompous, <laughs> some, some some pompous artist in that way. I, I, I don't mind if, you know, if my pieces are in a lot of different locations.
0: Now, in regards to your online presence, when you're selling things through your site, I see you have merchandise for sale, but then you also have images of your shoots and uh, images of like the the sculptures you made and things like that. Do you sell prints through your site or just uh, the I guess the merchandise section?
1: Uh, I don't like I don't sell yet through my actual website. Like I said, I, I had for years a smug mug site that was a just photography only dedicated site. Mm-hmm. And so quite a few prints through there. Like I said, they, you know, use Bay Photo, so I loved it. And if I can find somebody that kind of can give me that quality that I can connect to my Squarespace account, then I will do that. Now, what I did do um, or what I I do through my sites is I only sell up to a certain size, even when I had my, Mm. my Smug Mug site. And that way, the larger prints are the ones that i print for galleries so when i do gallery shows so anything up to i think i had uh, either eight by ten or uh, maybe it might have been the next size up um i would sell on my website but then anything bigger like 16 20 and above you would have to basically be in person you know, right. see it in a gallery so it did in a way that kind of kept it limited if you want to think about it it but it wasn't It wasn't unattainable, so you could still get that print. Um, You know, you could always call up the gallery that it's going to be in and buy it, and they could ship it to you, even if you couldn't make it to the show. Um, But I, that was that was one way that I kind of kept the two separate, where prints up to a certain size, so we're you know limited to just the website, and then anything bigger were specifically for um, the gallery. I did have a few times that people, you know, made a request to, to get something larger printed and I did make some exceptions, but generally I kept it um, that format.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also just the logistics of it, too. It's a lot easier to have uh, a large format print that you're going to frame and take somewhere in person than try and <laughs> ship it to somebody. Um And then same thing, you know, they're going to, if someone's buying from your site and having it shipped to them, they probably don't want to pay an extra hundred dollars for shipping because it's going to be in a large unwieldy tube and they'll pay for you know frames and stuff also. (laughs) Now with the events that you've been like the markets and things you've been doing a lot more of lately, have you noticed better movement of your prints in a physical setting versus an online setting?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I've sold prints at some of the markets. It's not something I push. Um, they, I have a bin with, with smaller prints actually, um, with just eight by tens, um, you know, pre-matted eight by tens. And I have actually sold a few at the markets, but it's not really my push at the markets. It's more of the, my physical art that I'm kind of producing, Mm. um, as opposed to the, um, my digital arts per se.
0: So speaking of those, like looking at your pinhead Grogu statuette, for example, is that a 3d model that you, uh, printed and got made into like vinyl toys? Or how is that produced? Um, that,
1: that particular piece is the only piece that actually I didn't physically model. Mm-hmm. Um, it is through, uh, a, uh, artist called hex 3d, and um, but he licenses that you can print them yourself and paint them and sell them for whatever you want oh, cool. um, through his uh, he has a Patreon site that you pay monthly. And if you stay up to date with your you know Patreon, you have full rights. He has thousands of models and they're just they're all amazing. That's the only one that I print because that one spoke to me. So, um, but everything else on my website, everything else that I sell is a hundred percent stuff that I've created, but he is the Grogu is 3d printed, 3d resin printed. And then all the nails are hand put into his skull. Those are real little nails. And then I hand paint, you know, paint, paint them up and put a little felt on the bottom, package them up nicely. So, um, but my, my, gothic fairy doors that's something that's my creation my spines um i've got a new thing coming out um that i'm going to be premiering at uh, spookala next month that will be um inspired by the tv show wednesday Mm. so i i i i really enjoy you know creating a lot of it some of it is 3d modeled some of it is just hand-drawn first like some of my woodworking stuff um i sketch up and then bring into the computer to create, um, uh, you know, a nice clean version of it that then I can create, uh, either tool paths for my CNC or for my laser cutter and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit of the traditional with the digital or, you know, high tech, so to speak, but everything gets hand finished. So all the painting, everything gets, gets a personal hand touch, you know, finished, uh, when, when I'm, kind of done with everything. So there's there's hands in the process.
0: <laughs> no, I absolutely get that. Like that that was the same with me. Like w- when I was starting, I was like, all right, I'm gonna put my art on earrings. I'm gonna put it on keychains. I'm gonna get wristbands made. Uh and I, I started to over uh, the course of it figure out what worked for me, what didn't work for me, what was worth the effort, what was not worth the effort. Some of these take way more effort than others. <laughs> Um, so it's it's a really fun discovery process.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And one thing that I struggled with too was having too many different types of things in a booth at a market. Because again, this is something I bring up a lot on this podcast is someone walks into your booth and they want to be able to say what you are. And what you do in one sentence, so that they can use that as a way to understand everything they're looking at. If they can't decide what that right. is in in thirty seconds or less, then they're going to leave because it's not worth them trying to nope. figure it out. So, exactly. Have uh, I mean, your stuff that you have is all very thematically aligned. So even though you have necklaces, planters, prints, it all still fits thematically. And it also helps too that you're wearing a costume that kind of helps with the branding. Um, do you ever get, I guess it's probably a silly question, but do you get confused looks <laughs> as people walk in there? I, I guess you've been doing a lot more themed uh, events too.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest part of it, you know, picking, choosing your, your audience. I, I do see people that do markets and stuff and they um, in some of the, the, like 3d printing groups and things like that, that I'm, I'm with, and they're bitching and complaining that, you know, they don't get sales, but they're doing these little weekend farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really think they're going to buy these, you know, horror themed pieces at mom and pop farmer's market? You know, no. So it's like, you, you gotta know your audience. And I'm, um, I am very conscious of the events that I, I have chosen to, to, you know, vend at, And that's, helped me you know establish myself you know kind of in already kind of in the industry i've been doing it actually august the tabernacle oddities was my one year anniversary because the tabernacle mm. the previous year was my first my first market <laughs> so um so i've only actually been in the the market you know game so to speak for little over a year and but i i mean after i did that first one i knew that i wanted to 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 be doing it and so i started seeking out you know what are there what are other ones like this and of course i tried to get into the big oddities market that is coming in november the one that the traveling one and um was not accepted but Mm. (laughs) but they they have uh such a, a list of people that are have done it before they kind of they get first first pick um you know of who gets in or who you know wants to be in it so but um but with that there have been you know numerous other ones that have fit you know my genre of and my style of art there's hauntazar over in saint pete there's um the punk rock flea market in lakeland there have been you know the house of shadows have had some of my pieces at some of their shows my physical pieces so Mm -hmm. Knowing your, knowing your audience and knowing what to expect when you, you know, have your stuff, that's the biggest part of it. And I, I, the other thing to me is presentation. I mean, that's a big part of what I do is it's, it's representing me. So I know some people are like, you know, they look at my booth and, you know, how I've themed it out and stuff. And yeah, it was, it was a I not going to lie. It was a lot of work, you mm-hmm. know, building the my that design and building those pieces and stuff like that but that is representing me that is my art and everything about it is me so i want it from top to bottom to be represented as such so um right down to like you said what i wear when i'm i'm doing the show i mean it is i look at it as a show it's not just a market or just And I mean, and it, this goes from the the biggest one I do to down to the smallest one I do. I still wear either my suit. Sometimes I wear the devil horns and the full red. Sometimes I don't, but I'm, you know, always wear my, my suit. I, I try and look, you know, my, my presentable best, um, because that's, that's what I'm representing is me. I am the brand, so to speak. So, um, it's just kind
0: of what I do. <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting point you make that yeah. you are the brand. I mean, it's definitely the fact that you're in most of the, the manipulated photos, the um, mixed digital mixed medias that you're in that represents you. And then you also selling yourself as the entity that's selling the art. It, it really adds to all that consistency that gives you the freedom to make 3d printed things and sell it alongside those, those more expensive photos or, uh, manipulated photos
1: yeah and and even with um you know with the pieces and stuff like that you know i i also kind of have a, a you know a range of prices you know i'm not all or nothing also with my booth so i like to even though again everything is like you said kind of thematically the same i have something if you just want to spend five bucks you can get a pair of zombie hands or if you want to spend two hundred and fifty dollars you can Ouija mirror i mean so there is a pretty broad range of pricing that through the booth as well so i don't want to exclude anybody and i don't want to be that you know i don't want to be elusive in that way that i i want to i want to be able to have something kind of for everybody if they do happen to step in to my booth
0: <laughs> so thinking about that one year anniversary from the first tabernacle of oddities to the second one how much growth in sales would you say you experienced like percentage wise um i started off really good with the,
1: <laughs> the first tabernacle so it, yeah. it was a good show um and i i did equally actually i did better um this year probably i would say i mean i did probably about 150 percent better this year than wow. that first that first show um and just each show I've learned, you know, I've refined kind of my everything about everything I do from the first one. Like when I when I first did the first tabernacle, even then I knew I wanted to have a presence. So I was very conscious of how I set my stuff up, how I, you know, went about it. And granted I was just using, you know, I had wire racks, you know, that you disassemble like the ones you get, you know, Home Depot or whatever, just those metal wire racks, but I themed them out. You know, I had, I had draped stuff over them. So it didn't look just like, um, you know, like metal racks and had lighting and candles and stuff like that. So there was a, there was an aura about it when you came into my space that this was kind of felt some, this was something different. And with each show, I streamlined the process of setting up like the, the first That first tabernacle, I think it took me four hours (laughs) or more to set everything up as opposed to this last time, even with bringing everything up, you know, the elevator, because at the Cuban club, we had to use the elevator, you know, even bringing everything up the elevator, I think I was up and running in less than an hour and a half. So, um, that those kind of things I've improved on, which, which helps in a lot of ways, one it helps your, to me the, um, your morale because you know you know that you're going to get things set up easier. I now have a system, um, and both my my wife helps me out as well in all the shows, and we have a system now. So it's like okay, I'm going to start setting up the racks. I need you to start pulling out this and getting this staged that that then I can put it on the racks in the way that I'm going to set it up, and I know how things are going to be set up. So. A lot of that helps in, in like I said, in one, you're not exhausted by the time you're done setting up. And two, it, it is improved each time where now I know how to set things up that I get maximum visibility and I can display a lot of stuff in a, in a still fairly small space. And at every level, no matter who's walking up, like I actually have, I, I had consideration in my booth for uh, for people in wheelchairs. That's why I mm-hmm. have a lower two all I have lower levels with the same goods on them, so that it is at their at a lower level that they can see, and they're at eye level with. So a lot of that stuff was very conscious in how I designed it, and it helps to me, at least I feel in the visitors' experience, or you know how they come into to see it and it's been a slow growth up till this first year and i'm even you know refining it now with Spucala. that's a three-day event so i'm also streamlining my processes of how i create because it takes a long time to create a lot of this these physical pieces because you know you can only print so fast on a 3d printer or cut on a laser or on my you know cnc so i've gotten better also with how I project manage and make sure that everything that I'm doing is not time wasted when I'm creating as well so that I'm not losing money by while I'm making things as well. I'm not, you know, spinning my wheels. I could be doing this part of one of the pieces while I'm waiting for this part to be finished. So even streamlining the production has helped me in, you know, have more profit. If you can say, in just time that I've saved myself
0: um, throughout the this year. So, um, Yeah, I track all those same things you've done. I've probably been doing markets for three years now maybe. Uh, I have a spreadsheet where I track um, what I paid for vending fee, the date, the name of the event, how much I made in cash, how much I made in card, and then I uh, kind of sort them by – value of that so that if i ever need to know if uh, i want to do something that i did last year i could take a look at that and be like oh it looks like it wasn't that great not going to worry about it and since i started doing that i've been able to really weed out the events that have been i don't want to say wastes of time but wastes of time for where my business is now because over the last few years like my percentage of income has relied less and less on markets and has relied more on Kickstarter and crowdfunding projects, which has freed me up to focus more on the markets that are guaranteed to be lucrative, like that Tabernacle of Oddities. And so, when you can spend gotcha. more time focusing on those fewer, better markets, you're going to end up showing with a much better presentation. Yeah, nope,
1: I, I absolutely agree with you on on that, and and but it, in that. I've gone into some shows and just thought, Oh my God, why did I, <laughs> why did I agree to this? Uh, this, you know, um, some, somewhat, you know, and then I get there and I just, I almost sell out. I mean, <laughs> it, you just never know and you never know what is going to sell the things that you think, Oh, they're going to, these are things are going to sell so well at one show they don't. And then the next show, that's all that sells, you know, or, you know, you sell like, I have, uh, you know, little these little coffins that I make, and they they've been moderate, you know, sales. I I have sold some, but then the last couple of shows, I sold like ten of them, and uh, <laughs> you know, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, people were buying them. So it's like you just you never know, you know, that as much as you can try and strategize it. There's there it just still depends on who walks in front, you know, who happens to be there that day. You just absolutely don't know. <laughs>
0: So thinking about all the sales you make in general as an entity, what percentage of them would you say are the manipulated photos that we were talking about at the beginning versus everything else?
1: Pretty much everything else. I mean, you know, my, my animation is without a doubt that's my salary. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I, 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 I didn't, I don't have to do any of this other stuff for, I mean, that, that is my, my store of bread, you know, that's, that's what, that's my salary. Um, but in going back to say digital prints, photography esque versus my physical stuff, the physical stuff has been way outweighing the, what I've made with my photography. Mm -hmm. I've done some shows this year. I, I don't do as many gallery shows as I could or, but, just don't have the necessarily the time to shoot i haven't been able to because i've been doing so many physical shows i haven't had time to actually do any photography but that's changing right now in fact behind me i've got everything set up i've got to, <laughs> i have to get some photography done because i have three three new images i have to create before uh, fr- and have printed and everything before friday the 13th on the superstition show that i'm doing i'll in, be at lately. that show so i Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be fun. It's, I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. wait, but I've got, uh, so I've got three, three photos I got to actually create and get sent to the printer. Um, so I can get them back and framed and all that good stuff. Um, so definitely though, the, um, the physical art has definitely been much more lucrative over the past year. Um, than my photography, I have sold, like I said, at, at some of the shows that I've been a part of, um, sold, quite a few pieces uh prints but
0: definitely the physical stuff is way 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 out outweighed that (laughs) so one thing that i'm constantly struggling with as a quote-unquote artist is do i need the validation of showing in galleries versus the fact that i make no money from showing in galleries do you ever kind of feel that push and pull since you're making so much more with the physically printed op- objects, doing these markets and selling online? I mean, I know you still do go into galleries, but because it's not that biggest chunk of your income, do you ever question whether or not it's worth the effort to apply to shows?
1: No, I I love doing shows. The thing I love doing, the thing I love about doing shows, which is similar with the markets, is. I love stepping back and seeing people experience my work for the first time and Mm. seeing a genuine reaction from them. And it's not about validation. It's just I love because you never know what you're going to get. What were they going to be surprised? Are they going to be appalled? Are they just going to walk past it? So actually, that's what I love about shows is that physical sort of being there in its presence but you know on opening night if, you know especially and just seeing that and it, it's it's and then you know if they dwell then i'll step up and say you know do you have any questions and, you know this is my piece and introduce myself and then see where the dialogue goes from there and you know sometimes maybe oh no i just thought it was kind of nice or it could lead to i mean there's been I've sat there and talked, you know, half hour, 45 minutes to somebody about a piece, you know, just their thoughts on it. So you never know what you're going to get. And that's the part that I love about it. It's that, that, that unknown that you get when you put your art out there and see people experience it for the first time. I get that some, you know, with the the physical stuff, but definitely the reaction that you see with the prints a lot of times, because, it does a lot of times catch people off guard, you know, with <laughs> mm-hmm. some of my art that they, they do. You can see, you physically see them kind of, you know, step back a little bit like, Whoa, you know, what is, what is this? You know, especially if it's in, you know, de- depending on the setting and, and what's next to it. So I, it to me, it's, it's worth entering shows. And again, it shows that I feel my art, will work with mm. you know the themes of the of the the show i don't just enter every single you know submission call for you know submission that, that's out there i make sure that you know i fit the prere- prerequisite of whatever that you know the the theme is for the show i don't want to just be a you know gallery whore of <laughs> of sorts and just every submission like oh no let me stick one let me put this here there and so i try and do you know shows that just like with the markets that would only my my artwork would sort of accent and be a part of and, and make sense being being there, so I love physical shows and I I never see it as a as a waste entering entering gallery shows at all.
0: <laughs> well, you're a lot even more if successful sell, even at a piece than of cell or not. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> even a <if> piece <laughs> sell or not, I don't you know I, it doesn't bother me. So I guess- it's great if they do, but I
0: don't feel disappointed if they don't. So like for me I guess the the most I'm going to price the most I have priced a gallery piece would probably be uh maybe $300. And that means I have to drive somewhere to drop it off, then I have to go back to the opening, then I have to go back and pick it up if it doesn't sell. And if it does sell, I'm still losing maybe 30, 40%, sometimes 50% to the gallery. And in that, you know, in that end, I'm always looking at it as a numbers thing. And I know I shouldn't. I think what I should be doing is if if I have that much trust in my piece, I should get it printed much larger, make it more of a presentation and then charge even more for it. But then if it still doesn't sell, I've got no place to store it in my house. <laughs> so that's kind of the this internal struggle that I'm always dialoguing with myself. And that is that is
1: something that, you know, you do have to kind of weigh out, you know, and it it's, I think it's, it's uh, up to the individual because yeah, like, especially when I do, you know, shows in St. Pete, you know, it's driving back and forth to St. Pete to get it there, back and forth to St. Pete to pick it up if it doesn't sell and back and forth for the opening. So yeah, that's six trips back and forth across the Bay and, and, and then, you know, getting the piece printed if it isn't already printed, getting it framed. Um, but It's still worth it to me because even especially on the, you know, the opening nights, you know, I'm I'm talking to people. And if maybe not this time, maybe they'll remember me the next time or I can talk to them about the other things I do. You know, I also do make this. I make sculpture. I make, you know, Mm -hmm. other items as well. I've got shows coming up. So it's networking to me also. So mm-hmm. to me it is money well spent because it's still a a networking opportunity to to meet people and get them in front of your work in maybe another aspect. Maybe right. not the photography or what the, what's in front of them, but it could be somewhere else. And what I have seen sometimes is people that I've met at gallery shows that maybe I didn't talk to about my other stuff then see me at a market show that I'm doing and they're like, wait, didn't I see your art? You know, so they start getting the correlation mm. that you're, you are kind of all over the place and doing things. So it's just, to me, it's, it's a, a good networking opportunity. And it, it just, the, not only that, but just the community also, just the, the, being a part of the artistic community in general, either, um, you know, by being at the shows, because a lot of times there's, you know, other artists come, even if their pieces aren't in the show and you just, it, it kind of harkens back to band days. You know, when I used to be in bands and the music scene, you know, you go see other people's bands, you go see other people's art. It's kind of the same thing. Mm. And you support each other. And it's just that that's supporting each other of, you know, kind of being a part of it. And, you know, you hope that, you know, if, if they, you see them at, you know, your show that, you know, they're going to tell people about it. So it um, and in fact, you know, I, I've had other, you know, I have other artists that, you know, promote, um, you know, the markets and shows that I, I've had, you know, that I see them sharing my post. So it, it is about the community also. And just keeping your name
0: out there and just getting it out there. I think it's a very healthy way to think of it. <laughs> So is there anyone I I like it? (laughs) Is there anyone that you would say you've been modeling your business after anyone's business, like a business mentor, business inspiration?
1: I don't know, because I I'm so new to this part of it, you know, the the physical. Um, and I really I, I kind of lived in a bubble for the longest time, even, you know, going back to the, the being part of the art community, um, for many years, I kind of lived in my own little bubble of creating and, and wasn't even really putting, it wasn't, weren't doing shows and stuff like that. But then, you know, once I actually joined TV SOPA that changed, that's when I started, that was the first time I did gallery shows. And so I, you know, always, I, I, I'll always kind of, I guess, uh, you know, sort of thank, be thankful that that, Kind of met that group of people, and I was brought into that. Um, and the way, kind of the way, Jose has always kind of approached our 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 art as it should be something that can be respected, and not just we're not just a camera club. We're we are artistic photographers that we enjoy our craft. And so, I guess in a way, I really like the way he had modeled um when he really you know opened House of Shadows and stuff like that, the way that it it had a very kind of common feel to it. You know, there was there was a, a continuity to their advertising. There was a continuity to their you know how they promoted things, how they did things, the look of things. So that in in a in a local sense, I would say I'm close in regards to how they how he and and Annie came about with house of shadows. So, um, on a grander scale, I, I don't, don't know. I really kind of just been doing what I would want to be doing with as far as branding and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of it, you know, came about from going to art school for it. Uh, So I, I do understand it and I, I understand, Continuity in how you display things and how you present things, and try and um, you know keep it in that regard. So uh, I don't really have one. I, there there might be some out there, and I'm just not thinking of it. But um, a lot of it's just just kind of what I learned in, in art school of how to present yourself and and present. Now the business side of it, that's something that I've learned. I'm learning along the way, and I. I talk to people that have done, you know, shows and the markets and stuff like that. So I've gotten some insight from a lot of different vendors. Um, So that's helped. Um, But there isn't a sort of overarching model that I would say I'm emulating in any way.
0: Well, it looks like you also have uh, your year pretty booked up. You've got seven events before the end of the year. Um, you got Spookala yep. <laughs> for the listeners. You can see Rodriguez in person uh, at Spookala yep. on October sixth through the eighth. Superstition Gallery yep. show—that's um, the one that I'm also going to be at. I'll be vending there. Um, I sent yep. them a couple awesome. of my tarot cards. Uh, they haven't responded yet on if they want any of them printed to be at the show. But either way, I'll be there vending. Uh, and friend of mine is yep. going to be doing some cool. uh, tarot Great readings. Fun. So that's fun yeah so that is the superstition show uh in lakeland on october friday the 13th uh haunt you're doing on october 14th i've done that event twice it's it's really fun uh and then you've got yeah you've got art crawl lakeland in november i'll also be at that one i love art crawl chad puts on a great event Sorry. Uh, Yeah, Chad is awesome. I was thinking of the uh, Punk Rock Flea Market, but I am also doing Art Crawl, which is put on by Chad's wife, Ellen, who was on episode three of the podcast. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The Chastains are awesome. Yeah. They both are awesome. They are. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be my first one. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. that,
0: that, uh, Art art Crawl. It's like as far as art specific events go, that's the best one you could do. Uh, and then we've got Atomic Bazaar you're going to be doing in Sarasota, in November. I did that one last year and then yeah, you're in the Dolly. D- oh yeah. There you go. Did that do well for you?
1: Yeah, actually um, that was a, that was another one. You know, I, I had no expectations and not know going into it. Um, uh, and first day, did okay and then actually what i actually originally hadn't signed up to do the, the second day and oh yeah then that's right we talked by the about end of this, the day yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by the end of the day i was like you know what and, and i was like i, I think i want to come i'm just going to come back tomorrow i'll just leave everything set up and she was like go for it so and then i just i did amazing the second day mm. so yeah i should have done the same wor- thing worthwhile uh, decision <laughs>
0: And yeah. then you're in the it was Dolly. a completely
1: different crowd yeah. the second day.
0: And then you're in the Dolly Dozen on December sixth. Yes, I'm
1: very looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I, I know a few people um, in my uh, artist organization who've been in that event. They said it's a lot of fun, so that's cool. And then uh, you're rounding out the year with Holazar, December sixteenth. Yeah. Yep. I did that one a couple of years ago, too. It's just like Hauntas <laughs> Arts. It's a lot of fun. And then yeah. if our listeners want to follow you and see your work, um, you are uh, your website is www.godriguez.com. On Instagram, you are at yep. GodriguezArt. Threads, GodriguezArt. TikTok, GodriguezArt. And Facebook at GodriguezArt. And that's spelled G-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Is there anything I missed? Yep.
1: And no, Yeah, you pretty much find me everywhere as Godriguez art. I try and make it simple. <laughs>
0: Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Godriguez, for taking the time to speak with me. I've uh, definitely learned a lot about how to reevaluate the value of being in a gallery. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh no, know.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, like I said, community is kind of, it, that's the biggest part. And that's going back to, you know, the TV SOPA. I'm hoping we can kind of get that back going as we had it before. Cause it was really, really positive force in the, in the community. And, um, we did some outstanding shows and really looking forward to our new, our latest book release and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just, just the whole Tampa Bay slash St. Pete area art scene. Um, you know, there's just so many great artists out there. So it's, it is to me critical to, to be a part of it and, and, support each other it, it, too many people sometimes look at it as a competition and it's not you know if one of us wins we all win so that's the way you got to look at it if if all of our shows are doing well then that's that's what we want so you know to to, uh, to build each other up and and just you know make this scene a force to be reckoned with
0: well on those wonderful notes um Thank you so much again for your time and hope you have a great day. All right. Thanks. Art for Profit's Sake is recorded through Riverside FM, distributed through Spotify for podcasters, and edited on Adobe Audition. The music is provided by Old Romans. If you learned anything useful or found this podcast helpful, please rate and review us five stars. If you want to learn more about me or my art, head over to chainassembly.com.